again, don't take it off their desk. Let them work on it because otherwise they're not learning how to do that. Where the next time this same project comes up, it's as simple as a forward of an email and say, you're working on this. Let me know if you need any help. This is Get Shit Done, a show about female entrepreneurs who are not willing to settle for 4% and the stories and steps they took to scale their companies to the top through traction by getting shit done and growing on their own terms. Welcome back to the Get Shit Done Podcast, Queens. I'm your host, Alex Batdorf, aka Chief Get Shit Done Officer. We are the originators of the Fuck 4% movement. And when we say 4%, we're talking about the total revenues that women-founded companies currently generate. We deserve better. We can do better. And we will together. Let me tell y'all about Farisa Knox. She is one of the swaggiest women, founders, moms, you name it, that I have met. I remember meeting her in Chicago and she stood out like a sore thumb to me because we both took our style seriously. And no shade to Chicago, but it's not a stylish city like a New York or a LA. Chicago's known for other things and we love Chicago for that. So it's pretty easy to stand out when you do have some style. But beyond her style, when I started speaking to Farisa, I really appreciated how savvy she was as a business person and her ability to find balance, in air quotes, balance, <laughs> that created space for her to not only run one business, but two successfully while juggling being a mama and a wife. And she credits her ability to do all these things by learning how to effectively delegate. And y'all, this is one of the biggest issues I see preventing women entrepreneurs in successfully growing their businesses because they're trying to do it all. But guess what, queen? You can't do it all. And when you do try to do it all, you can't do anything well. And your job as founder and CEO is to operate within your zone of genius so your company can grow. So that's what you're gonna learn today from Farisa, how she learned to delegate effectively. You'll learn how her approach to motherhood enabled her to become an amazing delegator to put her in a position to run two companies while being a wife and a mommy. You also learn when she knows it's time to pass on the work to someone else and her process for effectively delegating the right things and so much more. And I'm so excited to share this episode because it's been in our archives for like two years, but it is still so relevant and really timely because we see so many women entrepreneurs struggling with getting support and delegating. So make sure to take these notes, queens. So if you haven't yet, make sure to click subscribe so you know when episodes drop every week so you can get free traction tips from queens like Farisa. And make sure to head on over to rate and review our podcast. Queens, this helps us serve more queens like you and slang their way to traction so they can grow their companies. And it only takes 2.5 seconds. And if you're looking for support on your scaling journey, head on over to shegetshitdone.com slash join to join the fuck 4% movement of women gaining traction and growing our companies on our own terms. And without further ado, Queen Farisa Knox. Farisa, welcome to Get Shit Done. Thanks for having me. This is super exciting. I love watching these videos, so I'm like so happy to be here right oh, now. Oh, I'm so excited. And you look like super posh and like sophisticated with your glasses right now. Thanks. 
Thanks. I love it. <laughs> All right, so we're going to hop right in. So what is RLM Media and what are you wearing and why did you start it? Yes. Okay, so RLM Media is an ad agency. We specialize in media planning and buying. So ads that you see you know, throughout your day, we're just one of the thousands of agencies out there that are being commissioned to negotiate the pricing of those things and basically the management of the paid media process. That firm just turned 10 in November of last year. Congrats. Thank you. Yes. Huge feat. And then what are you wearing is I'm literally in the process of pivoting it from a media, digital media company into a production company. So we're a production company that focuses on creating amazing, engaging digital content for brands and platforms that have that 18 to 34 year old young woman as a customer or a client, a potential customer and client that loves fashion, style, beauty, and just overall creativity. And we can do anything from an editorial piece or a full-on show because we've created you know, a reality show. So we've done it all in between, and now we're going to start doing it for other folks. And why did I start those companies? Sometimes I ask myself that. Like, <laughs> why am I running I, them both? <laughs> whose idea was this? Well, RLM was born out of really, like most companies, where you're living in a weird economy. It was 2008. I was 27, and the company I was working for was going bankrupt, and they were literally shutting down. And I didn't feel like sitting still just to see how my personal career path would, you know, I didn't want anyone else to determine it for me. So I was stuck and trying to figure out, well, what job am I going to get? And I think I asked my then um, fiance, now husband, I was like, I'm stuck. I don't know what kind of job I want. And he goes, why don't you just service your clients? You know, you're good at what you do. Call a couple of them, see if they'll use you. Mm -hmm. And that suggestion right there was literally the start of RLM. And I've never looked back. And then with What Are You Wearing, it was almost like, oh, I'm bored. I know how to start a company. I know how to do this. Um, and it, it was it's more my passion, you know, like just content creation and just style and fashion and just overall aesthetics. I live for that. So I decided to see if I could do it a second time. And honestly, it was before I had two kids. So I did have more time on my hands. But it's fun. It's like my fun, my fun company. I love that. I love yeah. that. So one of the things that I love talking to you about that like stuck out to me when I lived in Chicago is your, your willingness to delegate. And I have, when I talk to so many female founders, a lot of them have a hard time doing it. And myself sometimes too, where I'm just like, if this is too much, I need to like pass it on. But I think because we are like female founders, we tend to be much like we're very detail oriented. Like we like to make sure things are done right. But that can also be at a detriment to ourselves and our companies because sometimes it's just like perfect can be the enemy of done. So I love how you walk through it and we'll get into some specifics, but um, when did you know for your company, companies, when it was time to start delegating? That's so funny because I think, honestly, I was about six months, eight months into RLM and I was still working out of my living room by myself, just a laptop and a phone. And I was engaged and I was about to go on my honeymoon, I don't know, maybe three months from, the, from then. And I remember thinking, like, how do business owners take vacations? How do they, how does one go on a honeymoon for two weeks without the company 
completely shutting down, you know, or I'm just working on my honeymoon and that's not okay. That thought right there literally was the beginning of how I built my art of delegation where I said, oh, okay, there needs to be more than just me. I can't be the only person who knows how to do everything at this company. Otherwise, I won't have a life. I can't even, I won't be able to go on my honeymoon. I won't be able to go on vacations with my future family. So it was that, and I don't know if it's selfish, but it was that thought process that started me down the path of, I'd rather spend the energy teaching people, finding good talent, and just nurturing that versus doing everything that the company needs. Yeah, I love that thought process. I actually just went to see this guy speak. His company's called Less Doing. And he basically helps people to like establish automation and processes in their company. It's genius. And his whole thing is basically what you're saying. He's like, I did this selfishly for myself because no founder, like he was saying founders should want to be replaced. Like you should have your company running in a place where they don't need you. Your employees can run this effectively. If you need to dip out or maybe you're sick or you need self care time, like you should be able to do that. Like, if you need to leave tomorrow, you don't need to have notice of 30 days. And he right. actually had people raise their hand like, how many of you feel like you have to give 30 days plus notice before you even go on a vacation? The majority of people raise their hand. Oh, my God. That's like, depressing to me. That's depressing. I, yeah. I look at it a lot. Like, I totally agree with that. And I probably take the more, like, mom approach to it where when you're a parent, your number one responsibility is to give that child – everything that they need to be capable adults who are like contributing to society on their own. Like, yeah, when they're first born, you have to wipe their ass. You have to feed them. You literally have to keep them alive just like your company, but you're not doing it right. If your kid still needs you at 20, right? That's a problem. You need to go. (laughs) It's a problem. So I, I, I approach my building of my businesses the same way where yeah, sometimes it's hard to like, literally my six-year-old goes, mommy, I'll walk into school by myself. Like, can you just kiss me outside the school? And I'm like, really? Like, you don't want me to walk (laughs) you in? But that's what I'm doing this for, right? Like, I want her to be independent. It's the same thing with our businesses. We want them to be independent from us so we can live. Yes, that's a great way of looking at it. Even a non-parent can understand that. Right. Yes, get out of the nest. Right. (laughs) I don't have kids yet, and I'm, like, ready for them to leave. Like, go. (laughs) Just go. So one of my favorite examples you gave was, we talked about this a while back, you were like, if I'm working on something for X amount of time, I will literally stop what I'm doing and find someone on my team to do, like, to do it, because I'm not doing this anymore. So what are your, like, thresholds for that? When do you know it's time to just, like, call it quits and move it on over to someone else? Yeah, I, you know, I wish I had like a secret formula for when I knew my first, my first thing is honestly my gut, you know, where, and it it depends on any given day. We all know how long our to-do lists are. If my to-do list is super long for that day, and I know that I'm going to get backed up if I don't get at least 75% of that stuff done, and there's something that I'm spending let's say more than 30 minutes on and I'm at an impasse, I'm stuck. It's more about, am I making progress or am I just doing this thing over and over again? If I'm doing this thing over and over again and there's no progress,
progress being made, then it's something that needs to leave my hands and go to someone else's hands because my time as the CEO and founder is better spent on something that is progressing us forward. Yeah. So it's, it's more about that. And is someone else qualified to do it? Like is someone else on my team qualified to do this? Let me just pass that over because there are things that I'm only, I'm the only one qualified to do. Yeah. So that's really where it starts for me. And then, and then how busy am I? You know, like there are times where we can take a little bit of a deeper breath and breathe a little bit and do some of the stuff that, you know, we used to do for the company. It, everything's a cycle. Yeah. And I guess it's kind of going back to what one of my mentors taught me years ago, where it's when we want to feel, there's that need to feel busy and you feel like you're doing something. And sometimes we gravitate towards the things that aren't actually in priority. So it's like putting together a list in your day. It's like, what are things that are like, super important and actually need your attention you need to do and what are things that aren't super important or just busy work but you have mm -hmm. to determine that for yourself that's a really interesting perspective so when it comes to your process for delegating and i think this is where founders get caught up because it's like in theory this sounds nice you know it's like i'll just let everybody else but then it's like letting go and then also passing it on so what what mm -hmm. process do you have in place uh, for delegating to your team Yes. So I would say the first step is as the founder, you have to get yourself comfortable with understanding that people are going to make mistakes. They're not perfect. You're not perfect. We're not perfect. So as long as you are aware that there will be mistakes made, but the people that you're delegating to are hopefully learning from those mistakes and then being able to then therefore do those things for you better next time, it's a process. So my first step is to even let this person know that I'm giving this project to or whatever it is that I don't expect perfection. I'm showing you how I would do it and here's the end results that I'm after. But if you come up with your own process to get this done the way that I need it by the time frame that the company needs it by, then we're okay. And if you have questions along the way, ask me. But don't be afraid to make a mistake or come to me with a question. So it's letting go of the idea that you're the only one who can do it perfectly. Step one, right? Then from there, it's actually being available to teach and not take it back. Because then sometimes people, like in our position, will see it going wrong before the person who's doing it you know, knows it's going wrong because it might be their first time doing it. And like my vice president, I talk to her about this a lot because I'm now teaching her how to delegate because there'll be times where she's working on something. I'm like, why are you working on that? Yeah. Why didn't you do that to such And she's like, oh, well, I just done faster, better. I'm really, you know, I'm the best at this. I'm like, no, that's true. That's why you're the vice president of the company. Yeah. Your job now as VP is to teach the people underneath you how to do it just as well as you do. Yeah. Not do the thing anymore. So I'm like teaching now delegation to my vice president so that she can do that. And, you know, that frees up the people at the top to be strategic, to be forward future thinking. Yeah. From there, it's like be patient. Like you have to be patient with the process because we tend to forget as the founders, this is our idea. This is our baby, if you will, right? Like no one can tell our story better than we can. No one can do damn near all the jobs of the company better than we can. 
but you have to you have to give people time to catch up to your skill set, like where you are. And that requires a lot of patience. And we're not, you know, a lot of founders, we're not good at that either. That's the hardest part I would say for me is the patience piece because I'm fast, I'm quick, and I'm like, you know, did this happen yet? Did this happen yet? And they're still like working on things. But again, don't take it off their desk, let them work on it because otherwise they're not learning how to do that. Where the next time this same project comes up, it's as simple as a forward of an email and say, you're working on this, let me know if you need any help. Because yeah. the first time was a process. The second time is, it's an action step, you know? Yeah. And it's taking that first step. And once you get into the groove of it, it feels more empowering and like a relief once you pass mm-hmm. it to someone else. But it's a lesson in leadership, but also you face a predicament of growth. Like one, you have to learn how to be a leader. And a part of that is delegating and teaching others. Like you're saying, like mm-hmm. your VP is the best at what she does, but you want to produce more talented people under her that can do that job. So you guys can grow and scale because the bottleneck becomes if you are limited in terms of what you got, your guys' output is, mm-hmm. and it's just you guys, you can't grow. So exactly. In order to grow, you have to be able to pass it down. So it's such an important, important lesson in leadership. Yeah. And then I would say too, like as the, as the CEO, so once you delegate all that stuff off your desk, be comfortable, like have your plan. What are you going to do? Once your desk is like clean of all the day to day stuff, that's an exciting thought process. Like what do you do now when you come into work? You're thinking about the future. Everyone else is working on today. But you get to, like, pave the path for what tomorrow looks like. Yeah. So that's that's the, that's the our real job at a certain point as founders, not to do the thing that the company does, but to pave the path for where the company's going in the future. <laughs> it's so funny because it's kind of a contradiction because of the women, the majority of women I talked to, including yourself, where the majority were saying, I wish I had more time to focus on high-level strategy. Mm-hmm. But then some of them have an issue with delegating. It's just like right. you're not going to be able to do any of that if you exactly. don't learn how to delegate. Mm-hmm. So I found this really interesting quote, and they were saying often employers will try to add tasks to an employee's plate because they happen to be available, not because they are the best people to do the job. This can lead to a lot of problems, including poor execution, high frustration, and decreased employee morale. So with you running your business, you even talked about this, like with your employees and teaching them, um, but some things are better left to you. So Mm -hmm. how do you make sure that when you're delegating, you're not just delegating for delegation's sake? Because sometimes in startups we do this, we're like, everyone can wear the hat. And yeah, in certain cases, for sure, everyone can learn things. But also sometimes you need to actually get the right person to do it the right way the first time. And things that are like financial projections. Like there's just certain things that it can't be this – go throw someone in the wilderness and let them figure out their way home. Like mm-hmm. you have to put something in place. So how are you managing that with your employees and being responsible for that delegation? Yeah, that's a great question. I think what I do is, well, first I, I try to learn everyone's like personal currencies and like what their potential is. You know, I think very long term. So it, I, I've had executive assistants who I found they were like working at hair salons sweeping up hair, but 
was able to see that spark, that talent in them that said, okay, they're, they're teachable, they're quick learners. Honestly, I think it's just from trial and error. Like you, when you need something done and you really don't feel like anyone else is capable of doing it, in that case, I do it, but I, I let someone watch me do it. Yeah. So that I can see maybe they can learn from watching me. And in most cases, for me, it's my vice president. Like, if I don't think we have anyone on the team who's qualified to do something, but I know that one day I don't want to be the only one doing it, I'll have her just shadow me and watch me. And for us, especially in the RLM space, it's like a lot of RFP responses where we're just like responding to these like 40, 50 page, like dense documents. And the first couple of times we did it, neither one of us had any experience doing that. And we just learned through trial and error. Now, and then once we grew, I was like the writer. And now I'm like, okay, I can't be the only writer on the team. You start it, you do the bones, and then let me, you know, finish it out. So it's like, maybe you can't do the whole thing, but you're going to, someone's going to help me do this. Like, I'm not ever doing anything 100% by myself. I like that. So you're making it a part of the process, like ongoing. That's awesome. So at what point, because sometimes you can't find someone in your company to do it. At what point do you decide it's time to outsource? (laughs) Like, it's time to just go beyond... And then what resources are you using to outsource tasks in your company? For me, a lot of the outsourcing ideas and when it's right is around money, right? Like what can I afford to pay for from a talent perspective in-house? And what do I need to outsource? I hate companies who try to overpromise to clients. Like where I'm in the service business at the end of the day. So yeah. a lot of my competitors are saying, yes, we do everything with full service. We have yeah. this, we have this, we have this, we have this. And it's like, no, no one really has all of that unless you're a billion dollar company. And even then it's your sister companies probably who are doing, you know, other services. I like the fact that RLM specializes in just media buying in the whole communications process. And that what are you wearing isn't trying to create digital content for every single consumer group. No, we're focusing on this one consumer group. But when it comes to hiring out and outsourcing, it's really a budget concern for me. It's like what, you know, talent is expensive. Yeah. So if I'm not going to have that type of work 12 months, nine months out of the year, then I'd rather not pay someone a full-time salary. And just pay you when we have projects. Yeah. So that's how I kind of formulate, you know, how do I outsource? For me, all of my outsourcing is from a talent perspective. Mm-hmm. It's just 100% talent that I'm looking at. Yeah. And this might tie into this, but for the female founders who don't currently have a team in place, mm-hmm. what delegation tips would you have for them? Ooh, that's a good one. I would say... You have to think about your time. So if you don't have employees, your time is your number one thing that you have to manage, right? So one thing that I learned, I don't even remember when, but it's one of those things that you develop over time is you don't have to get everything done like right now, you know, not even this week where now there are times where I think of a task or a client will send me something and I... I need to take an action step, even if it's simple as like forward this email or tell this to this person or something I need to do before I send it out. It's Friday today. I could 
write that down on my to-do list for Tuesday of next week because that's the appropriate time for me to do that. So it's almost like delegating your time and how you spend it and when you're doing certain things. I think that's what kind of saved me in those first eight months of literally being everything from the CEO to like the person who gets the mail. Like I was doing everything. So you can't, you can't fit everything into one day. So delegate your time. That's, that's great advice. So my final question for you is what advice do you have for female founders? And it could be anything. I think my number one advice would be don't be apologetic about being a woman. I think we do that to ourselves mainly because there's not a lot of older examples, richer examples, you know, all the rich, successful old people who have started companies tend to not look like us, not be women, not be brown, not, you know, so it's like we are, we feel like we're pioneers still. Like, I certainly feel like I'm still a pioneer, although I know you and I know a lot of other young women who have businesses, but we're still pioneers. And the business world wasn't built for women, but we're disrupting it. And sometimes depending on what space you're in, you, your like your female superpowers get looked at as negatives. And I've been in these situations before. And it's like, you start to second guess, like, is it okay that I feel this way or that I'm saying this or that I think this? It's like, yes, it is okay. That's part of who we are. And the business world honestly would be better for it yep. if they accept more of our gut instincts, just like men are using their gut instincts. That's what this is at the end of the day. So don't dilute your womanhood for business sake. Does that yeah. make sense? Oh, that makes like changing your voice. Like there's literally classes for making your voice deeper and telling women you should wear pantsuits. I love me some good pants and I love a good pantsuit. But if I feel like wearing a dress, I'm going to wear a dress. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We are women and we get to be women in the workplace and should be respected whether or not we're wearing a bright red lip, yeah. a bright red dress, or, you know, a turtleneck. Who cares? Yeah. The point is the thoughts in my brain, the feeling in my gut, and the decisions that I make are as equally as wonderful as a man's and right now because we're pioneers might be a little bit more important thank you so much for listening to get shit done we hope you got the traction tips you need to help you grow your business on your own terms if you want more support scaling your company and a chance to connect with a curated community of like-minded founders focused on slaying traction goals together, head to the link in our show notes to check out our accelerator and membership community. And if you enjoyed today's episode, show us some love by rating, reviewing, and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. I also love hearing from you, friend. So tag me on the gram at Get Shit Done Queen and tell me what you learned or what you want to learn more about. Until next time, Queen, I'm Alex Batdorf reminding you, you got this. Now go out there and get shit done. <laughs>